Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Superstation, you are on car radio, the best car radio show in all of Michigan, and we got a uh, great show show for you today. I'm Henry Payne, auto columnist for the Detroit News, broadcasting live from M1 Concourse up in Pontiac, where uh, M1 is kicking off the first ever Dream Show as part of the Woodward Dream uh, the Woodward Dream Cruise. The Dream Cruise is in full swing here on Saturday. Uh, great to have you on the program. And I uh, got a great lineup for you today. We'll just have a well, just have a stream of characters coming through here, uh, talking about uh, cool cars, classic cars, hot rods, muscle cars. I uh, got Tom McDonald as my sidekick here. Tom, how are you? Hey, good morning, Henry. Uh, doing well. It's just a great day to be a car guy sitting here overlooking Woodward Avenue and seeing every types of cars. Everything from a 1923 Model T Ford that went by to a new Mach-E Mustang. So, and everything in between. It, it is just a great place for a car guy to be. It really is. And uh, we're also joined by Tim McGrain, who is the CEO of M1 uh, Concourse. And uh, Tim is very nice uh, hosting us up here at the, uh, at the uh, Woodward Dream Show at the beautiful M- M1 Concourse uh, facility, uh, 85 acres of... Uh, of Motorhead stuff up here, racetrack. Uh, got a beautiful show of some classic cars here this weekend. But Tim, you come from England. This must be a shock to the system seeing all these uh, seeing all these V8s out here on Woodward Avenue. Well, y- yes and no. <laughs> um, I I'll be honest with you. I'm a rookie. This is my rookie year at Woodward Dream Cruise. I have traditionally always been on the Monterey Peninsula this time of year. So it's it's been exciting. First of all, it's great to have. You here um, at, at M1, our new uh, Woodward Dream Show, which was the first day yesterday, uh, the second day today. We're excited about it. I got to I got to go from Pontiac down to Royal Oak yesterday evening with Wayne Carini, <laughs> and uh, it was it was an experience. And uh, <laughs> we certainly didn't travel that fast. <laughs> it's a blue Mustang going by here at about 150. <laughs> but uh, it, it was great to see, um, you know, the enthusiasm for 
the cars is great, but the, the people either side, I mean, there's tens of thousands of people. And, and it certainly looks like some of those places are institutionalized in, in those people. Like every year, they, this is their spot. And uh, it's wonderful. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, it's a celebration of cars and of people and uh, what they've done with these cars. We're also joined by Chris Theodore. Uh, this is not your rookie year, Chris. He's uh, been around here for a long time, engineered some of these fabulous vehicles uh, out, out here on the Strip. You seen any, uh, seen any of your cars out here? Oh, yeah. You see the four GTs, the Vipers, the CPT Cruisers. There's something for everyone. It's great. It's just great. Do you, uh, do you bring a cruiser uh, uh, today? Well, yes. For the for the car show here, I brought out my four GT and my uh, 1995 Viper, so uh, people can enjoy that. Uh, driving around and just cruising in between with my my Thunderbird, so it's yeah. good. That's yeah. A, yeah, those are those are pretty good uh, show cars. Well, let, let's uh, let's kind of give you a, a sense of the of the sweep here. As Chris said, uh, you can go down to uh, uh, Royal Oak, uh, all the way to Ferndale, really, where Ford anchors the show at the south end of Woodward Avenue. You start coming north, uh, go through Ford's display there. There's a huge Bronco display in uh, Pleasant Ridge. Uh, I, I saw probably a hundred Broncos going down Woodward today, headed to Pleasant Ridge. Come up. Uh, through Royal Oak, uh, Memorial Park there in Royal Oak, uh, spectacular park, so many cool cars there. You have Chevrolet has a stand both in Royal Oak and in Birmingham. You really get into the heavy traffic coming into Birmingham, uh, rush hour, dream cruise, and then you kind of open up a little bit and uh, got, got a little bit of room to uh, exercise the car up north of Birmingham, watch for the police. And, uh, and then you come up north of uh, Square Lake Road, and things start getting busy again. And uh, it, it's so exciting to have M1 Concourse up here as sort of the northern anchor, the northern bookend to Ford uh, down in Ferndale. And we're sitting on the rooftop here of the hospitality truck at M1 Concourse. we got uh, spectacular uh, hot rods behind us, uh, classic cars, movie cars, everything else in the skid pad of M1 behind us, and we got all these great cruisers uh, out here in front of us. Uh, Tim, tell us how the Dream Dream Show came to be. So it was originally planned for last year, um, and like everything else, it, it got postponed, you know, because of COVID. So, you know, this year we, we went into the year, it was originally going to be a three-day event, but as we got closer... We felt that being a first-year event, we wanted to make sure we did it right. So we, we, we took it down to two days. Yesterday morning, uh, for four hours, from 8 to 12, uh, participants had the opportunity to do some laps on the track uh, in their cars, and then the show started at, at noon. Uh, we went through yesterday evening. We became the, the sort of the venue, uh, host venue for the Automotive Heritage Awards yesterday afternoon, and then... Uh, we had a uh, what we call an insider's garage panel discussion um, about the sort of the past, present, future of hot rodding, and it was a great mix. You know, Bob Larravee, um, you know, who's been, you know, Bob turns 90, and and you wouldn't think he's a day over 60. Mm. Um, you know, mostly known for taking Autorama, you know, to the level that it, that it became or it is. Uh, the Ring Brothers, Mike and Jim, Wayne Carini. Um, you know, Chuck Miller, and it was really good. The, the number of people came up to me today, so we really enjoyed, um, you know, hearing the stories. Um, and then today, you know, we, we started off early, and we've got our show awards uh, this afternoon. Uh, uh, Tom McDonald, uh, you got a you got a uh, 
You got a horse in this race? Well, yes, I, I did have a horse on the track yesterday. <laughs> I have a 57 uh, Porsche Speedster, and uh, I exercised that on the track yesterday for the very first time, I might say. Car ran great. Um, but just the fact that we're here overlooking Woodward Avenue to see all these fabulous cars just gives me goosebumps. Uh, I'm in a car guy through and through, and to know that there is one and a half million people, one and a half million people looking at these cars. It's just unbelievable. It just tells you that Detroit really is the epicenter of uh, the auto sector, and, uh, it, and it couldn't be a better, better show. Thousands of uh, participants and everything. So it's just, it's a car guy's dream. Yeah. Well, and it's exciting, too, because uh, 2021, uh, things feel back to normal. Last year was a very uncertain cruise. Uh, the, the, the corporations pulled out. Uh, uh, some, some of the high-profile companies laid low. But the people still came. And it, it's actually, it was, it was wonderful to see that sense of community. Even an uncertain time came out, uh, come out. I spent a lot of time down in Royal Oak last year just talking to folks who actually... Chris uh, said it was their favorite dream cruise because it wasn't as crowded as usual. There weren't as many corporations here, uh, 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 you know, putting on displays. Uh, did you come out last year? No, I wasn't here. But you know, it started out that way. It started out uh, that way too because the original dream cruise was just that. There was no formal. There was no formal uh, plan. It just was a happening. And then the happening just continued to grow all these years. So I'm sure they did enjoy it. It reflected kind of the, the enthusiasm of the original with just a bunch of car guys getting together having fun. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's what a lot of folks appreciated about it was uh, just it felt like it was going back to the original. Tom, you've been around here uh, a little bit. Uh, did you yeah. cruise a little bit last year? Yeah, this is well. This is my 26th year. Yeah. I've been to every single Dream Cruise. Uh over their 26-year period, and I did come last year and drove up and down like everybody else did. Uh, but uh, yeah, 26 years, it just started off as a group of guys getting together down in Royal Oak, I believe, and saying, let's go cruising. Yeah. And it's turned into this wonderful exhibition of, of cars. What was your first cruiser? My first cruiser actually was a company car. It was uh, my... Uh, was a Porsche 911, so. <laughs> but don't tell the Porsche people that. But yeah, that was my first cruiser. But my very first car was a 1953 Ford Victoria hardtop with a flathead V8 engine, and uh, I had that car. That was my first car when I was 17, and I loved that car uh, until I overrevved it and uh, bent some uh, valves and. <laughs> got rid of it but uh you've seen a few victorias out here on the street no i haven't you know everybody is looking for their first car yeah and if i see that car going down the street i'm going to run after it and i'm going to take my wallet out and i will pay whatever <laughs> whatever the guy wants to get my first car back i don't know <laughs> about you chris what was your first car well, my first car was actually a 56 Plymouth uh, Belvedere four-door sedan. Oh, with a six-cylinder? No, it had the V8. Oh. So, but it, went, it, it had the, the floorboards. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I spent a lot of time trying to get it running, but that was my first one. One of my cars was in that same era. I had a 59 Plymouth two-door business coupe 
with a six-cylinder, but the business coupes back then had no back seats and had cardboard panels on the, the side because that was a car for the salesman put their samples in. So I had that car for a number of years while I was in college. Yeah. And again, I'd buy it if I saw it again, too. Well, I should, and I should say, Tom's worked for a lot of auto companies, worked for Audi, worked for Porsche, worked for Mazda. So you've, you've seen a lot of classics uh, over the year, uh, both abroad and domestic. Yes, I have. And, and again, uh, it, it just gets in your blood. You know, the car culture gets in your blood. And, and again, as we can see out here on Woodward, you know, uh, whether it's a big V8 or, a, you know, a, there's an old Mercedes going by next to a Mustang. So it's, it's just everything. Yeah. Well, and, and what was your first car in England? So my, my first car was a, a 1970 at a, a Ford Cortina 1600E. And, and, and the E was designated uh, executive because it was all finished with wood trim. It was a it was an upscale series that the Ford Motor Company. You see, did I always there. knew you were a classy guy, oh, even man. from the beginning. Yeah, but they had. Uh, <laughs> but we would go cruise. Look at that packet going by there. Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, they. Uh, so we would go cruising in England. Right. A friend at the time, and still a, a very close friend of mine, uh, Phil Robinson had a Ford Popular. They're also sometimes referred to as Ford Anglers. They're the, the sit, sit up and bake body style as they referred to. And uh, he, had, he had had one, built it up from the ground, a uh, big V8 in it, and we would go up to London and you cruise the King's Road in Chelsea once a month. I can't remember if it was the first Saturday or the, or the last Saturday. Uh, we went up there and, and that, was the, that was the cruising mecca. And there was a, a number of friends that had American cars, usually at Mac, Mac 1 Mustangs, not the most practical car to have in England where the the roads are half the half the width of the car, and gasoline was about eight dollars a gallon wow. back in those days. But we had to have them; it was a lot of fun. And and, and Tim, coming from uh, California, uh, what have you what have you learned here? What's the, how's the, how's the car culture different here? California's huge, huge cal, uh, car culture, as is Michigan. Um, it, it is. It's. Um I think in, in California, first of all, you, you've got a long season. You've got you've got a twelve-month season. Although that being said, they, they don't realize how spoilt they are because there's still some people that put their their cars away for the winter um, in Southern California, which is a bit sad, really. Um, you know, a lot more Europeans. Uh, you know, marks uh, here the uh, the domestic marks. You know, the American muscle car is is certainly predominant. Yeah. Um, I think the concentration of car culture. Here is is significantly more. Yep. I mean, yes, you know, California from a point of view of it's spread all over Southern California, um, and it's some areas. But but here it's and, and another thing is you've got places that embrace what you do here. You know, you couldn't do this on Van Nuys Boulevard, yeah, um, or, or any of those other places. Uh, they they just dissuade it. Um, so it's wonderful that the communities, and I know some of the communities maybe are not quite as accommodating as others, but the bottom line is to have something like, you know, the Woodward Dream Cruise actually be able to happen yeah. um, is, is wonderful. One thing I noticed yesterday is the, 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 the cross-generational involvement. You know, you've got everybody. I mean, I saw, you know, dads with their kids or, uh, you know, or, or young kids out in cars. And, and, and that's, I think, most important. I mean, we're going through a transition with the automotive industry with electrification. Um, and I think, you know, the importance of keeping some of these classics, you know, to be able to sort of stay on the road or to be used is important. Just a few minutes ago, van went by. It was the, the PRI road tour. And I think organizations like PRI and SEAM are going to be so important to this culture to make sure that we can still 
use the cars, um, especially these classic cars, as, as we need to, and they don't get they don't get legislated away. Chris, you've been responsible for developing some of the most iconic cars in the world, uh, the Ford GT and the Dodge Viper. What car do you think today will be collectible 20, 25 years from now? Oh, there's a, there's a plethora of cars. This, this is, we're into the really the golden years, again, of performance cars. And so there are so many. I mean, you from Ford, GM, Chrysler, the imports, but the, clearly the performance cars are going to be special collectibles. So they're going to be the last of a generation of analog vehicles uh, that the teenagers of today will think of 20, 30 years from now and say, wow, I'm, I'm riding around in this autonomous electric box. Uh, gee, I'd like to have one of those. And there'll be more and more places like the M1 Concourse for people like that to enjoy. So I think you'll see the, all the performance cars of, of this era because they're so good. Well, let me just follow up and ask, when do you think that curve is going to go down when we won't have those performance cars going forward? What will happen to the, you know, the, the big V8 engines and the supercharged and, and turbocharged motors that are sometimes, you know, paired with electric motors? Well, the next uh, 20 years, we're going to see electric performance cars that outperform the Icon ICE cars. My biggest fear, which I won't be around to see, uh, autonomous has been grossly overhyped. But autonomous will happen, and when it happens, uh, I, I see this world of all cars going the same speed, stopping at the same rate, turning at the same rate. And so this uh, performance era and the, and the passion of these cars will will have to move just like racehorses move to the farms. Uh, the high-performance cars are going to have to move to the car farms. Well, and that's why uh, we got M1 Concourse. Yes. So, yeah, you got your... Uh, the big farm. <laughs> we're, just, we're just on the leading edge here. That's, that's right. Yeah, jump out of your autonomous car. I, I, I find that hard to believe, though. That, uh, that much is going to change because the passion you see here in, on this street right now, up and down, uh, is there's so much passion for individual transportation. Yeah. I just don't see it going away. That's such, a, that's such a part of American culture. I'm talking 2050s, like I said. Yeah, right. we're all going to be gone. Yeah, we won't so, be around. And then hopefully somebody will figure out how to still have passion yeah. and do, do the cars. But it's, it's going to be a different world. Do you know yeah. what I worry about? If I were a youngster today and going to be collecting cars in the future, where am I going to get the gas? <laughs> Is gasoline going to be available? It'll be there. That's a lot of under, underneath the United States we just discovered in the last tw 10 years. Yeah. If they don't, there'll be hydrogen and methane conversions and all yeah. of that. Of course, the hot rod, some hot rodders are converting cars to electric, too. So yeah. Yeah. the passion's there for the next yeah. 30 years. It's yeah. beyond their idea. I mean, people still like speed, but they also like noise. Yes. You know, this is the big problem with some electric cars. They're very fast, but they don't sound. Good. You can't <laughs> yeah. hear them. Yeah, they should get into a Porsche Taycan. Yeah. The Taycan's trying, trying to make some sound. Yes. All right, uh, gents, we're going to have to take a break here, here from our uh, sponsors. Great, uh, Tim, Tim McGrain, uh, Chris Theodore, great having you guys uh, join us today. Go back, enjoy some uh, good eye candy here at M1 Concourse. Uh, we're going to be joined by a couple hot rodders here. 
uh, after the break here on 910 AM, the Superstation. Nine ten a.m. Superstation has the greatest advertising deal ever with our Godfather package. Two hundred spots for five hundred dollars with a must-air within thirty-day policy. That is only two dollars and fifty cents per spot, and we will even produce the spots free. That's right, free. Call Ronisha Williams now at 313-434-8291. The following message has been brought to you by the doctors of Horsley Foot and Ankle. Thick, dark fungus nails? We treat that. Those hideous bunions and hammer tones? We treat that. What about those thick corns and calluses? We treat that too. I suffer from foot pain and heel pain. We treat that. Even falls, breaks, and sprains? We most definitely treat that. Let the board-certified podiatrist of Horsley Foot and Ankle Surgeons treat all your foot and ankle needs. Call us today at 248-559-5200. That's 248-559-5200. Horsey Foot and Ankle is Metro Detroit's premier foot and ankle specialist. Make your appointment today. Call 248-559-5200. Diabetic feet? We treat that. Painful legs and cramps? We treat that. Numbness and tingling? We treat that too. Horsey Foot and Ankle treats it all. Make your appointment today. Call 248-559-5200. Are you looking for a great deal on TV advertising? Are you searching for an avenue to get your business name out to the public? With WADL TV 38, we're offering a great special with 50 commercial ads for a great price. This offer is for a 30-day ad placement and can be renewed as often as you choose. Please contact Ronisha Williams for more information at 313-434-8291. That's 313-434-8291 or email at R-O-N-E-S-H-A at WADLDetroit.com. We're on car radio with Henry Payne on the line with us. Cadillac Racing's program manager, Laura Clouser. How are things looking down there at Daytona Raceway? We've got a little bit of everything. The NASCAR scene, an XF1 driver, of course, IndyCar, and then the Insta crew that does really take the machine and show everybody what it's made of. Talking to Jim Morrison, who is the Jeep brand chief. I'm happy to report that Grand Cherokee has been still the market leader for five years. We held the highest loyalty. The best car radio program in all of radio. And you can only get it here on 910 AM Superstation. 910, the Superstation. The oldest radio station in town since 10 a.m. radio you're on car radio and we are broadcasting live from m1 concourse up here in pontiac uh, the first ever woodward dream show at m1 concourse uh joined by uh tom mcdonald and we got uh, a couple new guests in the hot seat here we got uh, butch patrico who is the president of the michigan hot rod association and we got pete tundas who is the president of the of autorama and uh and pete we miss autorama We've missed uh, a couple n- rounds of n- Autorama here. N- nobody has missed it more than we have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
The uh, uh, but it's it's great to see this, isn't it? I Absolutely. Mean, it, this is your meat and potatoes. These are the these are the folks who will come to Autorama uh, in 2022 when it's back on, and it's just great to be out here and talking to folks about their hot rods. This market is so hungry for hot rods and customs. It's unbelievable to see everybody come out uh, together here and uh, and celebrate the Woodward Dream Cruise. Yeah, you know it's it's really. Uh, a, a wonderful outpouring of automobile love when you see everything from uh, you know a 32 Ford with a pure flathead V8 in it the classic hot rod and then you see you know a Camaro SS you know with 600 horsepower and everything in between I mean that is what we're seeing here today I well, mean look at this beautiful 35 Ford is that going by the blue one that oh, looks yeah. like a 33. Uh, well, it's got a grill shell of a 33. Yeah, and you okay. see a lot. You see a lot of 33s and 32s yeah. in, in a variety of guises, uh, which is what's wonderful about about hot rodding is that people take these things and do all kinds of wonderful stuff with it. Uh, Butcher, you're up here with the Dream Show. You you've got a, a beautiful blue, deep blue Mercury, I believe. Uh, 41 Merc Coupe that you've done a little work to. Yeah. It's a, a lot of work. I saw it. There's a <laughs> lot of work, Henry. Not little. <laughs> Chopped French headlights, taillights, uh, pancake hood. You know, handmade uh, running boards. No rocker. It's got handmade rockers, not running boards anymore. Uh, you know, filled and leaded all the fenders. And the, the the Mercury's were the little step up from the Fords. And uh, back then, the manufacturing process, the front fenders were made out of three pieces. Because they couldn't stamp a piece out big enough. You know, so a lot of work involved in that, trying to get them welded back together and make the seams look one piece. Now, was that was the last year for uh, the Mercury, wasn't Just it? Just before the war. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Had a little under uh, little under 4,000, I think, produced by the, time, by the time they had to stop production. So, uh, well, the car is beautiful. I mean, yeah. it's absolutely beautiful. And that, and you see a couple 44... 40 Ford Coupes, and uh, oh, yeah. and there was a gorgeous uh, Lincoln Zephyr yes. down there, yep. I think right near your car, yep. Yep. which yep. was, I think, one of the most beautiful cars I've seen. Yeah, it was uh, a very similar to the Mercury, the front ends, yeah. uh, uh, that, that sweeping grill shell. That was a 39 or a, well, it could have been a 39 or a 40. That, yeah, that, uh, but the the way that swept back in the rear oh, end is yeah, just yeah, spectacular. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. I don't know how the how the uh, uh, the, the tooling to, to do that was done back then. A lot of craftsmanship. Yeah, a lot of hand yeah. craftsmanship. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and uh, you know, it's it's what's fun about this cruise is is it's uh, it's a totally populous cruise. There's no invitations that go out. People show up with whatever they want to bring, and you're seeing everything here, here from uh, modern cars. Mercury doesn't exist anymore. I mean, it's no. an opportunity uh, to go out and tell stories about some of the brands that used to be, uh, as well as come out and here and see some of the new stuff. Uh, but you and I were down in Memorial Park yesterday, uh, always one of the epicenters of this of this cruise. Uh, very democratic. I mean, you pay your 40 bucks, you come in there. And you show off your car. And right. uh, you guys in the Michigan Hot Rod uh, Association have really been key to organizing that event down there. Yeah, we helped the city of Royal Oak out. You know, it's it's kind of a charitable deal there. It helps them out for their parks and rec. And, uh, you know, really the car industry, I think the, the thing about the car industry as a whole, uh, you know, our end of it, uh, is it, it's a family. 
somebody asked me yesterday what was so special about it, and I said, you know, it's it's it, at first it's the cars, but then uh, it, it morphs into the people, uh, and and that's that's what really is. Uh, how how big is the Michigan Hot Rod Association? How many members do you have? We have about two hundred and thirty members. Uh huh. Yeah. And these are real active active car guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, we were established nineteen fifty three. Wow. Uh, one of the oldest car clubs in the country. And, uh, yeah, seven clubs. There used to be over 50 charter clubs uh, in the area. And over the years, it's gone down to Now, I remember seven. as a kid, the, the, the hot rod clubs had these little uh, plates that would hang off the rear bumpers. Oh, yeah. They yeah. still do that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. that's memorable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, we, uh, there's, there's places where you still get them made. We have them. Well, and, and you know, Butch, uh, uh, you know, the name Hot Rod, of course, uh, calls up uh, a lot of shenanigans here on Woodward Avenue. Oh, sure. Um, how, 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 you know, is, how much do you guys uh, police that? Talk to your members about? I mean, how how does how does the Hot Rod culture coexist with Woodward Avenue? Well, to be honest with you, I, and, and you know, I'm going to I'm going to bring it on a ramble too because uh, it, it's important for us that. Uh, like you say, the shenanigans are, are old school. Yeah, we've uh, all done it. We've all done it, and we've all had a little fun, and, and, and you know, but it can get dangerous real fast. And there's, there's a lot of people that look down their noses because of that, you know, a bunch of hooligans. And uh, we at the association and, and at Autorama and Championship, we work very, very hard to dispel that. It's It's... You know, we uh, yeah, I think that's important because I think I've seen on the news recently, you know, they have video of kids doing donuts and oh, yeah. burnouts, right, you know, and donuts with 30 or 40 people standing around, and yeah. the next thing you know, boom, someone oh. could get really hurt and killed, yeah, and that right. kind of kind of uh, flows over to the, quote, hot rod guys who well, are... Well, it, it does, you know, and yeah. people... They're not really related. I mean, you, you go down to the dealership now and buy a 900 horse streetcar, and uh, you know it's very, very tempting. But uh, you know we're we, we're very, very careful. And I mean, you can have your fun, but there's a limit. Yeah. Well, and and, and Pete, uh, yeah, we were we were discussing with Tim McGrain and uh, Chris Theodore in the last segment a little bit. There's uh, there, there's sort of a a trend, uh, a popular trend. We we in the media talk it up quite a bit. About electrification and autonomous, as right. if as if uh, it's inevitable that we're all going to be in, in 25 years driving autonomous driving in on autonomous electric cars down Woodward. I don't see that. I mean, I I think uh, that the automobile is so ingrained in in the American individual culture that uh, I I I think this this is America. I, I see this going on for decades, for generations. Well, one of the things that I find uh, really interesting is the amount of horsepower some of these hybrid cars are making. And as a Ferrari owner, you know, I sit back and I scratch my head wondering if I'm going to have a relic on my hands <laughs> with a natural aspirated, you know, uh, motor, <laughs> or am I going to turn around and look at some of the hybrids that are coming out in the next two years? And those cars are producing anywhere from 800 to 1,000 horsepower. Yeah, I think Ferrari is looking at that as well. There's a Ferrari, I'm told, on the planning board yeah. that is uh, electrified as well as with a normal, normally right. aspirated motor. Yeah. And Tom, and Tom, that's what I see. I mean, I, I see uh, this this tremendous diversification of 
engineering. You're going to have, you're going to have electrified uh, uh, gas engines. You'll have pure electric. Uh, you may have hydrogen here at one point. I mean, you look at this street and it's variety. I mean, people want variety. They want electric. They want V8s. They want V6s. They don't want the, the government just telling them, you're going to drive an electric car. I don't think I don't think that's America. What do you think, Butch? No, I don't think it is. I think it's inevitable. There's going to be a there's going to be a mixture of them. There, you know, there's no doubt about that. Um, I think they're getting a little ahead of themselves. I don't I don't think that our uh, uh, our foundation is there to to go all electric. I mean, just look at our electrical grid. There's there's so much that has to be improved before you can be totally dependent on. You know, electric vehicles. I, I think there's going to be a mix for a long, long time. They're going to be integrated. Uh, uh, there's no question uh, uh, about the integration. But yeah, you know, there, there's other issues. I mean, basically, the commuter cars, right? Right. I mean, but I, I think the, the the move to plug-in hybrids is a good compromise because you get kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah. That's what Pete's talking right. about. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And and. Uh, at least you'll be able to pick and choose whether you want a 300 horsepower motor hooked in with a 90 horsepower electric motor or vice versa you know it's uh, yeah because tom you and i come out here on the track and we uh we, we turn some laps here at m1 concourse and uh and i think when pete comes out here in his ferrari he doesn't he doesn't want any lag when he comes off the corner he wants instant torque from the electric motor but then when he hits 8000 rpm he wants that uh, v12 kicking in and am i right Pete? exactly and i love to hear the sound of that v12 too <laughs> well, you don't want to hear a whirling of an electric motor well no i mean look at look at what ford spent on the mustang uh with that, that crazy uh was it 180 degree motor they got that to fine-tune the exhaust to make it sound like a like a hot rod, yeah, you know. Uh, well, that's that in today's, <clears throat> you know, there are engineers that do nothing but acoustic exactly uh, development to tune the motor to a certain sound, and uh, <clears throat> and even some electric cars they're doing like fake yeah V eight yeah. sounds. Well, they have to, you know. Uh, and uh, as an organization, we encourage that movement because that's where our next demographic is going to come. Right. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what the automakers are looking at, too. It's the iPhone generation, and there's going to be a lot of electronics and electricity in cars to come. Yeah, but that, that, that brings up a good question, Henry. What are the next generation? What are these 8- and 12- and 15-year-old kids? What are they going to be doing 15 years from now. Are they going to be trying to collect something, or are they still going to be collecting old iPhones or old Apple computers? Now, where's the collector car market going? I guess that's the bigger question. Well, it certainly is an older demographic uh, yes, right. currently. But one of the things that we, we see a lot of is a lot of younger uh, faces, and we see a lot of uh, strolling uh, uh, baby chairs. You know, uh, at, at our car shows in general, and that shows me that there is a younger demographic. And you know what's interesting is that our venue is very generational, is that if your father or your uncle or if your older brother was into cars, there's a good chance that you're going to be into cars Yeah, because he had taken you to these types of venues. That's true. That's true of my kids. We were all out racing at uh, Granton Raceway last weekend in Grand Rapids, 
and uh, they, they love this place. They, they, they love the Dream Cruise. They love coming back here every year, and it's, and it's unique to Michigan. I, I want to ask you, Pete, uh, you and Butch have been walking uh, through the paddock here at, at M1. Uh, M1 is advertising this as the best of the best. Uh, this, this feels a lot to me like Autorama. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of Autorama cars out here, some really spectacular stuff. Uh, what, what do you like out here at the, at the uh, Woodward Dream Show? Well, we, we, I always gravitate to some of the muscle cars, and and that's always a great thing for me to look at. It's really, uh, and, and I know I'm, I'm probably not being politically correct saying this, but there is no other thing than Autorama yeah. in this country. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to see as many freshly built hot rods as you see at the Detroit Autorama, and it's you know, it took 69 years to get there. And it's really kind of hard to cultivate something like that in a year. Yeah. No, Autorama is an amazing, uh, amazing thing. I mean, can, can you give us any uh, previews? I know we're a ways out, but can you give us any previews about next year, what, uh, what the theme might be? Well, you know, uh, you know, I think that there's been, and Butch can talk more about this than, than I, but there's a lot of guys that have mothballed their Riddler cars this year to not be seen. Right. So they can compete. In next year's show, it was, it was, it was a, a tremendous uh, feeling when uh, you know when we call them up. We call every exhibitor up personally when we we had to pull the plug on the show and talk to them, especially the first off the Riddler cars, and uh, uh, to hear these guys. Well, the disappointment, but then in the next breath, I'm putting it undercover for a year, and it, to to have that kind of an investment, you know, you're talking half a million and up to set for one show I mean, when they could be going to a lot of other events uh, I think is a, is a real testament to the award. And, yeah, that and just shows you the hardcore nature of, of your demographic group and the passion that they have for the hot rods. Well, anymore, if you if you build a it's got to be a purpose-built car. It's very, very rare will a, a guy start out not building a Riddler car and have it morph into it. It, it, it used to be that they'd be building a car, get carried away, they get really nice, and the light bulb would go on. Hey, maybe I need to enter this. You know, now almost every car is a purpose-built vehicle for the Riddler. Yeah, and and when we see cars coming in from New Zealand uh, to compete, uh, Australia, that says a lot. That's a that's a long way to come. But it, and and uh, and I get that sense of the Dream Cruise this year too. There's so much pent up um, anticipation now. Pe- people are ready to come out. They're ready to see their friends. Uh, there's there's a uh, group down here in Royal Oak uh, called the Tri Five. You know you know Tri Five. No, I haven't heard of that. Tri Five company. Yeah, yeah you, you know this, but yeah, yeah, very familiar with them. And um, and they come in from all over the world, from Australia, from Canada, mm. from England every oh, yeah. year. Uh, because this is where their friendships are, right? And uh, this is where the passion is. And uh, and I, my sense is that Autorama next year is going to be over the top within with uh, with people. We really think so. Um, the feature packages that we have, we can't really talk about yet, but you're going to see some stuff that you haven't seen in a long time. And yeah. that's good for the industry. It's good for Detroit to be back at have Autorama back. And uh, it, it, it really helps the whole southeastern Michigan economy. Absolutely. Oh, it's a, it's a tremendous boon to the uh, to this area. 
uh, you know, the amount of, of the dollars the show brings in. It's it's become a, a, a number one. It's the number one high ride show in the country, but uh, it's also become a social event. You know, people will fly in from uh, all over the United States, and you know, talk to friends that they haven't seen in a year and just just gather. It's it's a place to be in March. Yeah. You know. It, it, yeah, it really is. I mean, yeah, August is, uh, you, you, you probably spent some time in August out in California at the right, Monterey at, Show. Right, uh, Pebble, Pebble Beach and uh, uh, Laguna Seca Raceway for the reunion. Right. But that always conflicted with uh, the Dream Show, uh, with the Dream Cruise. Woodward. But but also a very different show, a very different crowd. And I, I think this this has that, uh, that, that same anticipation on the map in August, people coming in here. But, but a very different crowd than what you see out in Monterey. Uh, so, uh, uh, Pete, uh, um, uh, as you were walking around today, right. uh, I saw some movie cars over there. Uh, you guys have done some movie cars at Autorama. Uh, we, we started that whole movement back in the 60s. The, the original Batmobile has been very good to, to our uh, That was uh, George Barris. George Barris, absolutely. Yeah. One, of our, one of our absolute best was when we had the... Uh, the General Lee jump three years ago? Three years ago. Oh, I remember that. I was there. Did it actually jump down at uh, Kobo? That car was 18 feet in the air. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's pretty spectacular. And, and you know, if, 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 if folks were here just a week ago, uh, really the sort of the bookend of the cruise, they would have seen on this strip right in front of us here at M1, they would have seen legal drag racing on Road Woodward Road. Avenue, which yeah. is one of the great events right. uh, in, in this country. And I and I think that and that's six years. I think they've done it now. Yeah, this is Roadkill Nights. Roadkill Nights. I think that's the perfect bookend for for the wood. Actually, the starting line. You can see the rubber right in front of us. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The road turns deep black right yeah. here in front of us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did you guys come out for that, Pete? Butch? No, no, I did not. The uh, I, I think it's one of the really special events. Uh, like Butch and I were talking uh, uh, just a little while ago, it's it's legal hot rodding right. on the street, right. uh, which is a perfect fit for for Woodward. But um, it, but there are also all the cars that show up are uh, legal are are, are are streetable hot rods. They got parachutes on them. They got uh, oh, wheelie yeah. bars, yeah. but yeah. you can drive them on the street. I don't know if your viewers know, or if you guys even know, the way Autorama originally started was uh, the guys were street racing in Wayne County with the permission of the Wayne County Sheriff's Department uh, behind a Ford plant on the weekends. Back then, they didn't work Saturdays and Sundays. And they, they let us drag race uh, in, in the 50s. Was it a quarter mile or eighth mile? Quarter mile. Quarter mile. Yep, oh. yep, yep. And uh, the youngsters, I, I call them youngsters, I wasn't around. Uh, they were coming from all over southeastern Michigan, as far as away from Grand Rapids, every weekend to come to legally drag race on the streets with the permission of the police. Well, they all got together. They started thinking, you know, we should build our own drag strip. And I'm talking... 15, 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, up to the early 20s. And they decided to band together. That's how the association was formed uh, in uh, in late 52. 
Uh, they had over 50 clubs by 53, and then they decided, well, where are we going to get the money? Well, you know what? Let's have a car show, and we'll take the money from the car show to build our own drag strip. And they had the first club-owned drag strip in the United States. And where was that? 26-mile road in Meldrum Road. That's a great story. Sure is, but that just shows you the influence that the hot rod community has. And uh, you even see it today with you know the growth of Autorama and, and uh, shows like that throughout the country. By 1958, we were racing on it, and it was NHRA sanctioned. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's great history there. Well, uh, Butch, uh, uh, Patrico, and, and Pete Tundas, we really appreciate you guys uh, joining us here. Uh, we want to let you guys get back to the back to the show out there. Lots of eye candy to see. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, great yep, having you yep, guys on. Yep. Uh, Tom, we're going to be joined here by the Ring Brothers, uh, which will be fun to uh, fun to meet these folks. I uh, I know they're uh, notable hot rodders in the. Uh, in the hot rod community, and uh, they've uh, made some pretty special cars uh, here over the years. You met the Ring Brothers before? Yeah, I have met them very briefly, uh, but I, I know some of their uh, iconic cars. Yeah, good. I, yeah, I look forward to uh, meeting them. You can uh, lead us on the uh, in interview, and because uh, you know these guys, but um, they've uh, they're well known in the in the hot rod community. Have done a lot of uh, beautiful cars and. Uh, we, we continue to watch cars stream by us here on Woodward Avenue. It's uh, 1245, and uh, we're really getting into the meat of the traffic jam uh, here now for the Woodward Dream Cruise. Because, you know, when you see this many cars up in, in Pontiac, Tom, you know it's uh, bumper to bumper in Birmingham and Royal Oak. Yeah, and, and, and I think it's going to uh, back up here as well. Hey, got, uh, got a couple Ring Brothers here for us if uh mike yeah we got uh jim got mike and jim and uh yeah just put that uh microphone up nice and cozy to the corner of your mouth and great great to have you guys on the program well thank you yeah you guys are notorious for having created some incredible vehicles but also you've got a terrific parts business how did that evolve? Which came first, the cars or the business? You know, I think the the cars were definitely uh, the cars were definitely uh, first. We kind of found that uh, we couldn't find exactly what we wanted, so we started building what we wanted and uh, end up going to events and auto shows and having people say, "Hey, can I uh, can I buy that part from you?" And that was really the start of it. So, and you uh, guys are located in Wisconsin. We are. Uh, tell yeah. us whereabouts. We're actually about 35 minutes west of Madison, uh, home of Frank Lloyd Wright in Spring Green, Wisconsin, where the Taliesin is. And uh, and that's your corporate headquarters? Where you, you do a lot of uh, development work for some of your parts? or Yeah, we do, we do all our own R&D. You know, I, I think we are kind of blessed that we weren't in Detroit because you can get anything done here. And we... Being in a town of 600 where we grew up, and the, the Spring Greens is about 1,600, you pretty much had to make it happen yourself because we didn't have the opportunities like people would here. Well, does the, uh, the parts business support now your car building, or is it vice versa? I'd say it's or a about, little bit of both. I say right now we're about 50-50 in revenue on each one, you know, the parts. And, you know, we've got... Right now, we're up to about 24 employees uh, at our business. You know, Mike and I started 
small and and uh, it's amazing how quick it, it grows we're, we're completely out of space at this point but it's just hard to think about building another building tell us a little bit about some of your iconic vehicles that you've built and that you've shown i've seen your cars at sema uh, for example but there's got to be a favorite mike what's your favorite? i think i think we we both have uh, different favorites it's a hard one because I'm always thinking the next one's going to be our favorite. But I actually like the last one we won the Battle of the Builders in SEMA with a few years back. It was a 69 Camaro that was pretty much our biggest car to date as far as dollar-wise build and the amount of work because it was all done in CAD and space and machined all the plugs. So it was pretty much a scratch-built 69 Camaro. And what was your favorite? You know, probably an earlier car was a car called Producer. It was a 65 Mustang Fastback. I've always, my first car was a Mustang Fastback, so, but it was a car we did for a, a, a guy, and um, we widened the car four inches, and it was just, it was completely different at the time. You know, nobody wanted to, nobody even thought about maybe widening them cars, and for, for more reasons than one, uh, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should, by the way, but... Uh, it, well, that must have been a, kind of an engineering uh, challenge. It, it was, and you know, it turned out that uh, that people liked the car, and I, I, I personally liked that car also. I mean, we always knew you could channel the car and chop a car. Yep. But uh, widening the car is uh, yep. quite a. Quite yeah, and, and it was a car that we widened where it wasn't in flares or anything. We actually just split the car, how not wide, in the canopy. How canopy. Wide did you make it? I mean, uh, how much you did know, you add? In the car industry, uh, a sixteenth of an inch is, is huge. Uh, we actually widened that car two inches per side, so we literally separated the doors, uh, put two inches in them. And honestly, it sounds easy. It sounds easy, but it, it's a little bit harder because you knew something was different about the car, but a lot of people didn't even pick up on the fact that it was widened, even though it was two, four inches overall wider. So you didn't just cut it down the middle, no. weld in no. No, six inches. We, no, no. We, we <laughs> no. wanted the canopy to be the same, so the interior is stock, you know, basically. Hood but stock, roof stock, trunk lid stock. And uh, from the side profile, it's stock. It just, when you look down the side, you can see Mustangs are real narrow above the quarter and door, and now it's just a little wider. Yeah. So, so let, let me ask you guys, the... Uh, uh, as, as you've been in this business for a while, uh, customers come to you. Have you, have you seen um, an evolution in the cars that are coming to you, or do they tend to, do they tend to be Detroit muscle? Um, absolutely. You know, I think, I think there's been so many Camaros, Chevelles, Mustangs done that people are just, they're just screaming to do something else to be different. And... Um, Mike and I and our team, we've got a great team of employees, certainly like to try to do things different. You know, right now, for instance, we're doing a, a 48 Chevy pickup that looks like it's sitting on a Formula One chassis for a guy. Um, really cool truck. We hope to have it done and debut it at SEMA. If not, we would debut it at your auto show up here. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, K5 Blazers, for some reason, have been crazy. We built one uh, a few years back, and now I think we're on number seven right yeah. now in the last couple of years. Um, we've got 69 Chargers, one for a guy over in Europe, another one for a guy in New Zealand going right now, uh, a race car driver out of New Zealand. He's uh, Greg Murphy, his name is. Um, 
We've, the shop is full of vehicles right now. It's interesting. Well, as, as you go up and down, one of the trends I've noticed going up and down this avenue the last few years is how many more trucks you see. The super truck thing is coming with the Raptor, with the with T-Rex. The yep. uh, you've got a GMC Hummer that's advertising 1,100 horsepower. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but did you see more folks coming to you with trucks? They, you they, sure, you they, certainly they do. They want mod trucks. Yeah. But are these the like the '50s trucks? You know, the '54 Fords or '51 Chevys uh, that seem to be, the, in my mind, more of the popular rotted uh, trucks. They they are, but I, what's surprising is it's the four-wheel drives that people are wanting. You know, it's really it's it's the off-road, almost like the Bronco or things like that. It's it's almost like these the guys we're meeting now are building them for their wives, which is. A, completely different thing than we've ever seen because um, they're not big horsepower they just the wives love the look of the bronco or the blazer and just want get their groceries. to have it in groceries or their well we've seen a, a tremendous increase in price oh, for yeah. the old broncos exactly. and, and blazers and uh i mean they're just off the charts yes. when you see them on bring a trailer or on yeah. hemmings or any of the auctions Crazy price. Mike, yeah. Mike and I built a, a relatively simple K5 Blazer a few years back, and uh, a, a good customer of ours wanted to buy that particular. It was a black K5 Blazer, like literally stock blue interior. It had a new crate motor in it. I mean, it was a nice truck, nice put-together truck, but he he purchased from us for... Uh, for $150,000, and then we we're actually we we're actually building him a, a really crazy one that will also have at SEMA. Well, you know, that's what I call a good customer. Yeah, but, <laughs> but you have to hear the rest of the story. So, so he purchased it, and then he thought about it for a while, and he's like, you know, Jim, do you mind if I sell this truck I bought from you? He says, I, I don't really don't want two of them. I know you're going to finish my other one up soon. And I said, that's fine. I said, I don't care. He, he put it on Bring a Trailer, <laughs> and the thing brought 305 grand. <laughs> See, that's where you guys are bad yeah. businessmen. You yeah. Yeah. yeah, who's, who's uh, the dummy there? Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, in this industry, as we all know, it's been hobbyists that do it and the love of cars. And most guys do it. They sure know they're not going to make money. It's like customers come in, well, uh, you know, what's this thing going to be worth? And we just say about half, you know, you know, trying to be realistic on because if – I could make money doing it. I wouldn't need customers, right? If I felt so confident that what I built, we could pay the payroll, I wouldn't need a customer. I'd just build what I want and sell them. But uh, truthfully, you got to look them in the eye and say, it's it's like your Range Rover. You drive that two years, and what's that going to be worth? <laughs> so, well, are, there, are there rules in the uh, mod business? I mean, uh, do you need a certain percentage of content of an original car? How do you guys it's, look at that? God, it's I probably hope, I hope not. It's, it's state, I'm <laughs> sure. State it's by state. By state yeah. and probably California is probably the worst. Exactly. Yeah, and sure. that's why a lot of builders have moved out. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I mean, VIN's the big thing, right? You, you don't move the VIN, touch the VIN, um, and work around that. But I, we actually wanted to call that Camaro VIN because that was the only thing left. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so 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 keep that bin. Yeah, if you got a that. car out there, yeah. make sure you keep yeah, the bin. Yeah, keep the bin. Yeah, nobody touched the bin. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, Mike and Jim Ring, I uh, really appreciate you guys joining us today. Uh, great to have you here at the uh, at the Woodward Dream Cruise. This is the place to be this weekend. Sure I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you guys are 
our, it's, our just it's heaven. Home. Yeah, we've, we've never been here. It's amazing. Well, yeah. let, let me ask you this. What do you think of M1 Cup Course? I think what it's... An, I, I think it's... Personally, I think it's just really cool, and it's amazing you guys pulled this off. It's... Uh, it's it's such a nice place to be. I can only imagine to have something like this where where we are to be able to go there and enjoy your vehicles and and uh, well, it's just wow. uh, I'm a garage owner here and we have 270 garages and the average car average garage holds like five or six cars. So if you opened up all the doors at yeah. one time, you would probably just draw a drop yeah. at what you would see. We have. Everything from a 1910 Model T Ford fire truck to a Porsche 918 and a LaFerrari. Yeah. yeah. And everything in between. We've been yeah. lucky enough to meet a bunch of garage owners and have taken us around to their places. And we're just yeah. like, this yeah. is heaven. <laughs> yeah. And, well, and let's, let's let you guys get back to it. we got to uh, take right. a break here. Okay. Here Thank you. Thank sponsors. you for having yeah. us. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. You're on Car Radio. We'll be right back after the, after the break. We asked people in Michigan why they got the COVID-19 vaccine. Because I am 24 weeks pregnant and we wanted to protect our baby boy. We're vaccinated to protect my family, protect my friends and help our community. Because I believe in the science. Why did you get vaccinated? My best friend couldn't. She caught COVID and passed away the day before her birthday. That is my why. Be able to hug my mom again. I haven't been able to hug her in over a year. I want to hug my grandma again. And I'm ready to get back to somewhat normal. All the vaccines have been tested for safety and are trusted by doctors. I'm vaccinated. I'm coming to give you a big hug. I love you, Mom. You've got your why. Now find a vaccine near you at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. a.m. Superstation has the greatest advertising deal ever with our Godfather package. 200 spots for $500 with a must-air-within-30-day policy. That is only $2.50 per spot, and we will even produce the spots free. That's right, free. Call Ronisha Williams now at 313-434-8291. Are you looking for a great deal on TV advertising? Are you searching for an avenue to get your business name out to the public? With WADL TV 38, we're offering a great special with 50 commercial ads for a great price. This offer is for a 30-day ad placement and can be renewed as often as you choose. Please contact Ronisha Williams for more information at 313-434-8291. That's 313-434-8291 or email at ron. E-S-H-A at WADLDetroit.com. The day you lose your strength is the day you lose your independence. Muscle is lost with age, affecting your energy, balance, and mobility. Before you know it, you're depending on others just to get through the day. But you can reverse and prevent muscle loss. Introducing MyoHealth, a revolutionary proven approach.